This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America in Houston, Texas. Please join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. for Holy Communion, and visit us on the web at holytrinityrec.org. Enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. He will give you into our hand. This faithful response of the shepherd David to Goliath's disdain reveals a heart that is in submission to God. In this last part of the account of David and Goliath, in the end of 1 Samuel 17, we come to the culmination of the 40 days of Goliath's taunting. The Philistines and Goliath, as we noted last week, were threatening the nation of Israel, God's people, attempting to thwart Israel from her purpose of taking the promised land and maintaining a faithful presence in the land. Philistia had invaded Judah. And the entire army of Israel under King Saul had responded. If you think about it, the same is true for us in the church today. In our obedience with the great commission to expand the church, the body of Jesus Christ throughout the entire world. As the faithful, we face attempts by the Goliaths of this world to take back the footholds that have been established by the body of Christ. The threat of Goliath hearkened back to the first promise that we see after the fall in the Garden of Eden that God would send a Savior into the world to crush the serpent's head, to save humanity from the curse of the fall. Throughout the rest of the Old Testament, this promise is worked out in foreshadowing events through God's work in the midst of his people to save them and preserve them from their enemies, from the serpents that kept creeping up to attack his people, from the serpents that kept creeping up to to try to sway his people into rebellion. Several serpent-type-like enemies have their heads removed or crushed throughout the Old Testament, especially in the book of Judges each pointing forward closer and closer to the day where the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would come to crush the serpent's head finality in finality at the cross, the place of the skull. David, here in our passage, continues the striving against the serpent of old for the sake of God's people. It is a message we still need to hear today, even though we benefit from the finished work of Jesus Christ. Yet, as we all know, before his return to judge the living and the dead, we as the body of Christ, the church, engage the world with the gospel. The toil of the church, of all of us, striving against the Goliaths of the world is brought to the forefront of our daily living with what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15.25. For he, speaking of Jesus Christ, must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. That is the state of events that we live in to this day. This morning, let us meditate upon David's defeat of Goliath and our call to continue to fight as Christ's faithful soldiers against the world, the flesh, and the devil until our life's end. First, 
If you think about it, outlook or perception means everything when we are facing the enemies of God. For David, he came to this situation through the eyes of faith, knowing God, and God alone would deliver Goliath into his hands. The rest of Israel, as we've been noting in chapter 17, saw it quite differently, looking at this situation as something they could not solve, as Goliath scared the entire army. After all, if we remember the story, he comes out every day for 40 days, morning and evening, challenging one person from the nation of Israel to come fight him in single combat. No one, even after King Saul offered great rewards, even the hand of his daughter in marriage, wanted to face this mighty warrior in single combat. They all failed to view this through the faith in God, in his power, and in his protection. Same is true of all of us in the daily Goliaths that we face. We often see the spiritual battles we face as not belonging to God. We often view such as battles we have to fight on our own, through our own capabilities, leaving God often as a mere footnote at best to how we approach our enemies. Yet, we all know this, this is not faithful living. This instead is trust in self and is destructive. In the first few verses of our lesson today, King Saul had David try on, if you will, a man-centered approach of how to face Goliath. He had David put on his own armor, the very best of the entire army of Israel. In the eyes of King Saul, This gave David the best chance of success. This was coming from a man, as we've been reading the last few weeks, that turned his back upon God repeatedly and sought to do everything by his strength, by his power, by his cunning. David saw through all of this and decided to go through faith, through his trust in God, and all God had brought him through in his life before this point in preparation as a shepherd as a protector of the flock. Verse 40 records what David used to face this giant, mighty warrior of Philistia. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five small or smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. He went forth as he would against a lion or a bear as a shepherd, no armor, No sword, but merely what a shepherd would carry. David saw what he was about to do as firmly in the hands of God, as a servant of God, to go about into battle that was not his to fight, but God's and God's alone. His faithfulness and God's ability over his is the call upon every one of us. Such is echoed in the opening verses of our epistle today, As Paul wrote, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. We are to live in our Savior alone. It is his ministry of righteousness, as we read at the end of the epistle, in which we walk by faith, by which we contend for the faith, confronting sin with Jesus Christ as our all. 
It is as we read in the psalm today in verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. This is the way of of David as he went into battle against this mighty warrior. It is a way we are to constantly move forward as well. Yes, we all sin from time to time relying on man-made weapons over God's weapons, over God's way. What matters when we do such is that we repent, that we get low before God as we are reminded in our psalm today in verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Our way must be the gospel of grace in Christ alone. When we stray from this, we seek to use human weapons to our own detriment. The way of Christ is to walk in his faith, knowing he overcomes all our enemies. We are to walk simply in obedience, asking his help in every step of the way, just as David did. After David went forth and Goliath came to meet him, we read an exchange between these two, where Goliath taunted David for his appearance, thinking David would be nothing more than an annoyance like swatting a fly. Instead of doing as is normal for sinful human beings in such a situation, in such an exchange, David, again, remained faithful through his words to Goliath, in his response to Goliath. If you think about it, paganism is ripe with self-promotion, defending our twisted view of ourselves to the utmost. This is what Goliath was doing in his words with David. David's reply to Goliath's pagan taunts was a reply of faithfulness, serving as an example of how to face the Goliaths in our lives. Verse 45 states, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Notice how he spoke God's truth and God's truth alone in the face of Goliath's evil intentions to enslave God's people again in the sinful lifestyles of his own people. Coming to situations in the name of Jesus Christ is a must for all of us, no matter the severity of the situation. David ended his words to Goliath by saying that it would be God that day that would provide the victory. God would place the Philistines in a position of abject dread and fear due to what he would do through a lowly shepherd boy to a mighty giant warrior. You think about it, when we encounter those at odds with Jesus Christ, those at odds with his word, what is our reply? How do we handle such exchanges? Do we lower ourselves to use their approaches, matching sin with sin of our own through vengeance? Do we get just as dirty and filthy as they get in quarreling? For us in our era today, like no other point in history, All of us as Christians are on the world stage, if you will, if we're on social media of any sort. Whether we like it or not, we have the choice every day to remain faithful by God's word alone or to act as pagans when dealing with pagans. 
See, David and Goliath exchanged words with each other in the hearing of those from both armies that were close enough to hear. As Christians, we cannot act as if we turn an off switch to our faith in Christ once we exchange information or ideas or are debating with others on social media or in person, or even when we're interacting with those of the same faith. The world is watching, just as the armies of Philistia and Israel were watching David and Goliath. When we defend the faith online, do we do so as David with the weapons that God has provided us? As Christians, as we all know, our weapons are not of this world. They are spiritual. The word of God. There are weapons that this world laughs at, just as Goliath laughed, laughed at the weapons of David. They are faith in Jesus Christ alone to protect us, his word as the only offensive weapon that we are supposed to use, but with the following in mind as 1 Peter chapter 3.15 reminds us when we're defending who we are in Jesus Christ. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And as we fight under the banner of Jesus Christ as his enemies, we must conduct our words with each other with the utmost respect and gentleness to others, being mindful of what we say. The way of the cross is not easy. For it calls us to confront sin through the manners that have been commanded to all of us by God, not in the manner the world conducts itself. Our Archbishop of the Anglican Church in North America, Foley Beach, uh, about a year or two ago, issued a code of ethics on how Christians should conduct themselves via social media, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, and so on. And I think it's helpful in our approach and looking at our interactions with each other, our presenta presentation of the gospel in confronting the world and the flesh and the devil. They revolve around five questions that he poses that we must look at when we're interacting with others online or even personally. First, is it the truth? Or is it gossip, slander, or unverified hearsay? Our responsibility is to speak truth, yet speak in love from Ephesians 4.15, which says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Why is it my responsibility to speak this truth or to be judge and jury? What gives me the right to write this and to post this? Number two, have I talked to the person before I talk about the person? Number three, will it benefit all concerned? Number four, do my words reflect well on Jesus Christ? Number five, Will I have to confess what I have written as a sin? If so, then why write it or post it? Flee the temptation to sin. Our lives in relationship to everyone else that we encounter, whether in person or online, are the places that we are called to spread the gospel, to maintain the gospel through submission to Jesus Christ. I commend this code of ethics to all of you to read online on uh, the ACNA's website, anglicanchurch.net. 
our roles as Christians, even on social media as a battleground for the sake of Jesus Christ and his church simply due to the fact that we as Christians are called to serve God through everything we say, everything we do. Remember, this battle is God's battle. It is not our battle to do as we please. We are God's children now, world without end, whether interacting in person, at work, at school, or online. We have a wonderful tool, if used correctly, with firm love, gentleness, and respect to reach the lost through the simple message of the gospel, to repent, to go and sin no more, to submit to Christ and follow him. Do we do this when we interact with others? Or do we sin and turn the switch off and act as a Goliath, not caring about the words we use? When we face the Goliaths of this world in person or online, our prayer must be as the last line in our processional this morning. My gracious master and my God, assist me to proclaim and spread through all the earth abroad the honors of thy name. After this exchange of words, we read that David with one stone, one small smooth stone killed this mighty warrior. It was not an epic heavyweight battle or fight that lasted for a long period of time. It was over immediately after the exchange of words. There was no room for anyone to doubt that God indeed was at work through David. He delivered Israel that day from this giant through his servant David quickly and decisively. Too often, I think we complicate the battles we are involved with in the faith, thinking we have to add our own weapons into the mix. Yet as the great hymn, A Mighty Fortress, states, For lo, his doom is sure, one little word shall fell him. That word is Christ and faith that he endures through all for our sakes to forever defeat the devil through crushing his head at the cross. Our role as Christians is patient prayer, submitting to the preparation God puts in front of all of us through his word, through worship, through his supper. Our role is to patiently, as David did first, in front of his own doubtful countrymen and then to Goliath, to speak the truth that it is God's battle to fight and that it is God that provides the victory. Our role is to submit to this faithfully via our, via our words and our actions. The aftermath of this abrupt end to the 40 days of taunting from Goliath is what we found in verse 51 in our lesson. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Another point that the Lord was on Israel's side, that this battle indeed was God's battle, is that we read that the Philistines fled immediately at the death of their champion. Of every description of battle that we read, the wars and 1 Samuel, especially with the Philistines, they all speak of the vast advantages that the Philistines had over the army of Israel. At one point so far in this book, it describes only a select few, such as King Saul and his son Jonathan, that even carry a sword, with the rest of Israel carrying other implements of battle. Yet even with a weaponry advantage over the nation of Israel, the quick killing of Goliath with a mere stone from a young shepherd placed them into panic. This was God's victory. 
our approach in the world today to spread the gospel is the same through the help of God. Too often issues that arise in the church stem from people that fail to own that the spiritual battles that rage are God's to fight. We think that we have to introduce worldly approaches to the good fight to get worldly results. When we strive for both of these, we'll find ourselves riding wave after wave of heartache and defeat. We will see that the more we trust and sell through these battles, the more we will fall apart. Our call is to face the battles of this world through our Savior. It is hard to do this, though, as a fallen people. Yet it is the only way. God works out his purpose through our obedient lives. Jesus, as we remember, was perfectly obedient on our behalf to finally fulfill that prophecy, that promise in Genesis chapter 3 to crush the serpent's head. Our call is obedience, relying on his grace to do, to say as we ought. We cannot muster up this strength and this power. We must ask for it from God. Our call, just as David is a lowly shepherd, is constant preparation in the word of God. If you think about it, any endeavor in life, no matter how long we have done something, we still must constantly prepare and practice and stay in practice. For us, As Christians, this is to stay steeped in the word of God, to stay steeped in his worship. As Ephesians 6.15 states in the passage about the whole armor of God. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Even if we think we have arrived as Christians, we still must stay steeped in God's word through staying practiced in it through all the means of grace that we are given. The church, our worship, our preaching, our partaking of the Lord's Supper, our fellowship. Our call is to not keep this word to self, to ourselves. We stay practiced in the word of God to be ready to do the following, as Gregory the Great wrote. And when after many tears we have come, we have have confidence in the forgiveness of our sins. Let us draw others also towards the true life by means of these words we now have come to understand. For it is for this reason we must understand them, that they may be a means of help to ourselves and that they may by our spiritual effort be also bestowed on others. So rightly does he here say, eat this book and go speak to the children of Israel. As though he said to him concerning this sacred food, eat and be fed, be filled and give forth. Receive my word and spread it among others. Be strengthened and labor. The call upon every Christian, just as upon David, is faithfulness. Our call is to trust God at every point, at every turn. For this time in Israel's history, Saul, at the end of our lesson, sought to have David at his service, by his side, full time, if you will. The king saw that David was in favor with God and that in their uncertain times of war, such a man was in need. Before this point in time, as we read in previous chapters, David had only helped Saul to a degree when Saul hit spells of darkness 
through a ministry of music. It was behind the scenes to this point. Now the entire nation had witnessed a miracle, the work of God by David's hand to defeat this enemy they had all feared, they all cowered from for 40 days. They witnessed a man that spoke of faithfulness to God, even in the face of a frightening enemy, to, point, to the point of putting his faith into action through confronting Goliath by the tools that God had prepared him to use as a mere shepherd. When we face our enemies and confronting them with the gospel to repent, to turn, to submit to Jesus Christ, we do so through the word. It is the Lord that works upon the hearts of man. He uses us just as he used David as his instruments. But we still have to act by faith, presenting the word, giving opportunities for people to come and worship and partake of the Lord's Supper with us in unity and lowliness. God acts through his faithful people. He acts through all of us just as he acted through David, resting solely in the arms of our Savior, Jesus Christ, knowing he will defeat every enemy. We rest and faithfully do his work, not by our strength, not by our sufficiency, but by his sufficiency alone. Let us remain confident in our Savior, Jesus Christ, alone. For indeed, the battle is his. For indeed, He is victorious. Amen.